What a place in Scripture Joshua chapter 7 is. We saw last week that it is a very um, distressing thought in any of our lives to think that any one person at any one time could ill affect so many people, whether within a church, whether within a business, whether within a family, within our own lives itself because of a sin. Achan's problem we saw last week was that he thought that he could get around the law of God by one, thinking that he could see, covet, and then take without any consequences. His second problem was that he thought that he could change the very wording of God Almighty just to suit his own personal desires. God said, all of this that we will get from the city of Jericho is mine, says the Lord. It is mine. It is a ban that is to be given to my treasury. And Joshua, excuse me, Achan, as we saw last week, changed the name of the ban to the spoils. Like it was part that he could take because of the victory. Lastly, he thought that whatever he did was not seen by anyone, certainly not God. And he found out that that was not at all true, that he and every one of us, that we are under scrutiny at all times. God sees all that we do, knows all. Well, let's see what's further problem. You see, there wasn't just Achan that is a problem in all of this, and, and I think it could go unnoticed. And so I wanted to stop and take a look at Joshua's problem. And Joshua has a problem as he goes off to take and do battle against Ai. We saw, remember, look, Joshua chapter 7, we saw in the fifth chapter, the men of Ai struck down about 36 of the Israelites. They pursued them from the gate as far as Shabaram, and they struck them down on the descent so that the hearts of Israel melted they became as water. And so what does Joshua do? Well, he falls down on his face before God and he starts to pray. And what you and I are going to see today is a very amazing statement by God in the midst of his prayers. I'll give you a hint. And I think you probably already know it. Joshua should have gone before God before he went to Ai. He should have been on his face before God before he went into battle. And that's the clue that you and I will get from this today. You see, Joshua coordinates itself very closely with the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians, we are told in the first chapter in the third verse that you and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessings. That is either true or it's not. When Israel was going to go into the promised land, in Joshua, God made sure that the people knew that the land was theirs. When God promised, when God promised Israel the land, He didn't just flippantly say, this is yours. No, He says, I have given you this land. But He says, you're going to have to do battle. There are enemies there. You're going to have to overcome them. But don't worry, I am with you. You will not be defeated. 
God has said to you and me in Ephesians, we have overcome our enemies. But, he says, at the end of Ephesians, we are to put on the full armor of God. We as believers, just because we are believers, does not mean that we have won all the battles. We have to do battle. And too many of us as believers kind of sit back in our haunches and we wonder why are we living this life that seems to be at times like a merry, like a roller coaster, I should say, not a merry-go-round. Sometimes it's wonderful and other times it's, it's, it's so difficult. And the problem is, the problem is, is exactly what happens with Joshua. Joshua is this great warrior. He should not have had any defeats. But his defeat came because he decided not to rely upon God before he went into the battle. And that's the promise to us. That's what we're going to learn today. We're going to learn that you and I have victory at our hands, but we cannot assume that it's ours just because we're believers. We have to do battle And we cannot go at it alone. We must have God at our side at all times. You're going to read something with me this morning that is utterly... It would... If if I were Joshua and God said it, I I don't know what I would have done. Let me just show you what he says here. He says in verse 12. We're going to read it in a moment. But look, just I want you to just get a grip of what is going on here this morning. He says in chapter 7, verse 12, right near the end of verse 12, God says, I will not be with you anymore. I can only imagine how long that pause was from anymore until the Lord says, unless you destroy the things under the band from your midst. You see, by the grace of God, we have this unless in our lives too. I will not be with you anymore unless you confess your sins. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's our promise. And so God says to Joshua, I'm not going to be with you anymore until until you clean this all up. Joshua, I am sad to say, was all as much a fault as Achan. And he, we will learn a lot from his problem. Read with me, please, verse 6 through verse 13. It says, Then Joshua tore his clothes, and he fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. Both he and the elders of Israel, they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why did you ever bring this people over the Jordan only to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites and to destroy us? If only we had been willing to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say since Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it. They will surround us. They will cut off our name from the earth and... What will you do for your great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, Rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. 
And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they have even taken some of the things under the ban, and they have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Verse 12, Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. And I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. Rise up. Consecrate the people and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus, the, for thus the Lord, the God of Israel, has said, There are things under the ban in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you have removed the things under the ban from your midst. And folks, I want to say to you and me, you and I will not be able to stand before the enemies that are coming against us until we destroy those things that are keeping us from a pure and wonderful relationship with our Lord. This is a tremendous warning. And we can learn so much. We can learn from Achan, but we can also learn from Joshua. Joshua should have been on his face before his God before they went to Ai. And God would have revealed to him what to do. I say to you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, there ought to be nothing that you and your family and your business and your Whatever it is that you're doing, there is nothing that you should do before you go to the Lord your God and hear His voice. Now, I recognize and realize there's times when you and I have to do something. We have to move. And, and, and we give it the best, the best guess and the best shot that we have at it because it is urgent that we do what we do. But my wife and I, and I would encourage you to be the same, we try not to make one step in any direction until we feel we have heard from God. And that's what Joshua should have done. There is no way he should have gone to Ai. Why do you think he did it? Well, while we're praying, think about it. Father, we want to ask that you will bless this time. We want to thank you from the very depth of our soul for lessons we can learn from godly and wonderful men and godly and wonderful women within the Bible that, that speaks of, of things that they've done to succeed and, and things that they did in failure. And Paul himself tells us, dear Lord, that he is a wretched person, that he wants to do right. In one hand, he is so desirous to do what is right, but on the other, he doesn't. And then he says, wretched person that I am, who's going to set me free from this body of death. And so, Father, it is our plea, too. On one hand, we want to serve you so much, Father, we can, at times, I'm sure, taste it. It just is so real. And there's other times, Father, we get caught up in this world in which we live and we wonder, what in the world are we doing this for? And so, Father, may we learn. We learn from, from Achan that we cannot sin without consequences. We can't. We learn from Achan that we can't change your word to suit our personal desires. We learn from Achan that you see everything we do, so we, don't, we can't think that we're getting away with it. Now, Father, let us learn from your warrior, from Joshua. Let us learn from his mistake. Now, Father, would you take me and move me aside and... and, and Father, allow us to hear and to, 
to see the things that you desire for us to hear and to see. Move our hearts, dear Lord, closer to you. For those of us that need this message, really just kind of sear it upon our hearts, dear Father. Allow us to hear every single word that you desire so that we might become conformed into the image of your Son, our Lord and our Savior, the one that we celebrate this Christmas season, Jesus Christ. Father, bless his holy name and bless us as we study your word. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Look at the gall of Joshua. What Joshua becomes in his prayer is the very thing that was the last generation. He became an unbelieving Jew right before the eyes of God. He says in verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, in essence, look what he says at the end. Look at verse 9. What At the end of verse 9, what are you going to do for your great name? Give me a break. I'll tell you what God's going to do for His great name. And Joshua doesn't have to worry about it, neither do you nor I. God is very capable of taking care of Himself. What Joshua should have been worried about is the same thing that you and I should worry about, is what about our name? What about ourselves? How are we living? We already know that we... We can't do things without consequences. We already know that we can't change God's Word just to suit our desires. And we already know that we can't do anything that is hidden from His sight. So what are we going to do about our name, not His? Joshua says in verses 6 through 9, Why did you bring us beyond the Jordan? If, if, if we're just going to have defeat, why did you bring us here? Were you going to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites? Are you going to destroy us? Better off we would have stayed in Egypt. Oh my gosh. He's sounding just like the generation before him. Then he says, if only we had been willing to dwell on the other side of the Jordan. If we didn't cross over, we would have been fine. But no, now our enemies are just beating us. Joshua sounded like a man of no faith at all. Here's his first problem. Had Joshua humbled himself before his God, before he went to Ai, if he would have gone there like he is now, on his face before God, seeking God's assistance, the situation would have been much different. I don't know that this is a true story or not. I've heard it and I hope it's true. I really do for the person's sake. Don't know any of the participants. It's just a story I heard from a message one day. Talking about this, 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 this seminary student that was perhaps the best seminary student that ever walked through the seminary. And by the end of his fourth year, they, they chose students from this local church that would come and, and give a message. Big local church. And they chose this one student who was the best ever. And he was he was just so sure of himself. So when he got there, he looked around and he kind of walked in the pulpit like everybody was so privileged to have him preach a message to them. And when he started to pray, and I, 
it just like everything melted before him and all of a sudden his tongue became thick and he couldn't speak and he just stuttered through his message and it was just a disaster. By the time he was through, he, he kind of closed with prayer and he just slumped over and he started to walk away and some dear lady that had been a part of that church for a long time walked up to him and she said, Oh son, if you would have walked in like you walked out, I think your message would have been much better. Sometimes we get so puffed up with ourselves, we get so sure that we know what we're doing, we decide that we don't need to rely upon God anymore. And Joshua, now, too late, is on his face before God. I'll I'll show you, look. Think back at chapter 6. Think back at chapter 6. Do you remember how often the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of our God is mentioned in chapter 6? Do you remember how often the Ark of the Covenant went before the children of Israel into Jericho? Look back at chapter 6. Just a brief, kind of a brush through it. Look at verse 4. We could look at almost the whole chapter. Verse 4. The seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of rams, horns before the Ark. Look ahead at verse 6. Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let the seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. Look at the verse 7. Then he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city. Let the armed men go on before the ark of the Lord. Look at verse 8. The ark of the Lord. The ark of the covenant. Look at verse 11. So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city. Verse 12. Joshua rose early in the morning. The priests took the ark of the Lord. Verse 13, they took the ark of the Lord, the ark of the Lord. I want to ask you a question. How often do you see the ark of the Lord mentioned in verse chapter 7? You hardly do, do you? It's not mentioned. All of a sudden we see the ark of the Lord kind of in the background Verse 6, great victory in Jericho. Listen, Jericho was, I don't know how many times, I was just going to say a number, I don't even know how much, but Jericho was much tougher a foe than Ai. Jericho had its walls. Jericho had its fortified city. Ai had none of the, nothing of the like. In fact, the spies that went out said, look, there are so few people in Ai, we don't even need all of our men. Let's just take a few. We can defeat them with no trouble at all. And as it said in chapter, uh, it says in verse 5, they struck down, the men of Ai struck down 36 of the Israelites and chased them out of the city. How come? And so God says to Joshua during his prayer, in verses 10, 11, 12, and 13, Joshua, get up off of your face. Rise up, Joshua. Read again. The Lord said to Joshua in verse 10, Rise up. Why is it that you've fallen on your face? Israel has sinned, it says in verse 11. They have transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. 
Verse 12, Therefore the sons of Israel, God is speaking to Joshua, they cannot stand before their enemies. End of verse 12, I will not be with you anymore unless you get rid of that band. Rise up, he says in verse 13, and consecrate the people today. End of verse 13, O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you remove the things under the band from your midst. Folks, you and I cannot stand before whatever it is our enemies are. Whatever it is that we're fighting against, we will not be able to stand until we remove those things that are separating us from God. In essence, and this I got right from Dr. McGee. Boy, I love old Dr. McGee. This is what I got right out of his commentary. Dr. McGee says, God said to Joshua, get up off your face and cut off all this whining. (laughs) I love Dr. McGee. He also put all this whining in your sackcloth and your ashes. What you need to do, Joshua, is get to the root of your problem. And I say the same. No, I don't. God says the same to you and me. Let's get to the root of the problem here. Let's deal with our sin before we come to God in prayer. Jesus taught this. Take a look at Matthew chapter 5 for just a moment, please. Hold your place here. Jump ahead. Matthew chapter 5. The Sermon on the Mount. Greatest message that was ever given anywhere, anytime. God says, Jesus says, before we come to Him in prayer, we've got to get ourselves right with the Lord our God. We've got to confess. We've got to repent. We've got to seek forgiveness. Not only with God, but with those we have offended. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, Therefore, Jesus says, if you are presenting your offerings at the altar... In other words, if you're going to the God, if you're going to God to prayer, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, then verse 24, leave your offerings there before the altar and go first to be reconciled with your brother, and then, then come and present your offerings back to me, says God. Listen, Christian, there are going to be times in your life and my life where we will have moments of defeat difficulties or what seems like difficulties and defeats maybe it won't be but when that time comes it is essential for you and me to discover the reasons for this bump in the road that we are experiencing and to seek then and there what is the cause and to seek even more how to remove it the main reason for Joshua's failure at Ai was his failure to rely upon God just as he did in Jericho. Never forget, we must go to God first in prayer and we must go to Him in dependence. He gives all things to us. Listen closely, church. Failure to pray always makes us vulnerable to Satan and sin. It always does. Now, the question is, and I don't know the answer, but the question is, why didn't Joshua pray? Well, he's a human being, so we can kind of take a look at the tendencies of, of those we know. I had a, a great privilege. Jimmy Campanis was... Um, played in the major leagues and he could tell you they had chapel services there uh, in every 
every team across the United States of America. I had the privilege of doing it with the Dodgers and the Angels. And one of, after I was doing it for a while, one of the difficulties that I had in ministry was when guys had great years. When guys were, were struggling, they would come to chapel regularly. Oh boy, they'd come to chapel. And they would pray, God, help me to get some hits, you know, help me to do well, help me to pitch well, whatever. But have them have a big year, a good year, and all of a sudden I'd note things would happen like, uh, I can't come to chapel today, I'm doing an interview with certain, with ESPN, or I'm doing this or that or the other. It's easy to spot. Now, I'm not saying this is necessarily what happened to Joshua, but it seems to me that Joshua got really full of himself after that victory in Jericho, it came so easily. Perhaps Joshua thought to himself, I got the hang of this. Thanks, Lord. I I can do this now on my own. I, I get it. I get it. And how soon we forget. How soon all of us forget. It isn't your power. It isn't our power that makes something, anything that we do successful. Think about it. Joshua didn't do squat. All Joshua did was listen to God and follow God's instructions. All Joshua did is the same thing all of Israel did. They marched around the city 13 times in those seven days. And God did it all. Jesus Christ says it perfectly In John chapter 15, verse 5, you know the verse, apart from me, how much can you do? You can do what? Nothing. Now those are just words, or that's truth. Apart from me, Jesus Christ says to you and to me, you can do and accomplish absolutely nothing. And that's what I believe happened to Joshua. There is no time that you and I or anyone is quite as vulnerable as when they've had victory, when things things seem to be successful. And prayer, prayer is a time that God opens up our eyes, open up, opens up our hearts, It reveals to us what is needed through what we are going to do. As I've mentioned to you, it is my family's tradition and and, and, and it is our purpose in life not to move until we believe we have heard from God. Does that mean we've not made mistakes? Sure we have. But our conscience is clear. We believed that God had moved us. And so we do. What is not seen in this whole scenario is how much Joshua is implicated by all of this. God is upset with him. Make no mistake about it. And when God says to Joshua in in verses 10 and 11 of chapter 7, Rise up. Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Why is it that you are praying now? Now you have to go and take care of the sin that is in the camp. God is noting in verses 12 and 13 
he is saying very clearly, it is pointless for you to approach me, Joshua, until the public record, until what it is that has been done wrong is set straight. You should have come to me first, Joshua. But now you went to Ai. There is a problem. And now you're falling on your face and asking me for help. You should have come to me first, Joshua. Now what you need to do is take care of the sin. Fix it. Then come to me. Look, if that's the intent of this story, and I think it is from the depth of my soul, if that's the intent, that is what the lesson is for you and me. We learn from Achan. Now we are learning from Joshua. If that's the intent, then I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1 because then this story agrees with what Isaiah says who protests against the hypocritical religion of Israel then and whom hopefully good preachers ought to preach now against the religious hypocrisy done today in the name of Jesus Christ throughout people's lives and churches who refuse to honor the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and refuse to honor His Word. Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10 through 17, listen to Isaiah, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instructions of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me? God is speaking, says the Lord. I have had enough. I've had enough of your burnt offerings of rams. I've had enough of the fat of your fed cattle. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs or goats. Verse 12, when you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts. In other words, who's told you to come into my presence, says the Lord. Verse 13, he says to the people, bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I can't endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. In fact, he says in verse 14, I hate your new moon festivals your appointed feasts, they become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Listen, do you get the drift of this? Is God dead serious with our coming to Him with our hypocrisy? So He says in verse 15, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I'm going to hide my eyes from you. You know that makes me want to cry right now. You know, don't you, the only strength that you and I have as believers is what God will do in and through our lives. There is the world out there that do not know our Lord and Savior. And they think they can accomplish anything because of their own strength and their own power. And once you and I have come to Christ and really understand who we are before Him, do you not know that you and I can accomplish nothing apart from Him? Apart from Him, we can accomplish nothing and there is nobody more weaker than a believer in Jesus Christ who realizes that their prayers are not being answered. Are you praying for your children? Do you not want the Lord your God to hear your prayers for your children? 
then get your life straightened out. Don't come to Him with this hypocrisy that you feel that all of a sudden you can just muster up a prayer and He's going to hear you. Gosh, verse 15 is just dreadful. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I'm going to hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply your prayers, I'm not going to listen. Because he says your hands are covered with blood, nor sin, really. So he says in verse 16, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil from your deeds and from my sight, from my sight cease to do evil. In other words, confess. Thank God, thank God for 1 John 1, 9. Thank God. For 1 John 1, 9, folks, you and I are not hopeless here. If we'll confess our sins, He's going to be faithful. He's going to be just. He's going to forgive us our sins. And He's going to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Your, your, your defeat can become a victory overnight. When you get yourself straight with God, He says in verse 17, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless, and defend the orphans and plead for the widows. God makes it clear, does He not, that all these quote-unquote religious things are rendered null and void until the evil of our doing is removed before His eyes. And so He says, as He says to Joshua, He says to you and to me, If we'll confess our sins, He will forgive us and remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. And what will He do? He will remember them, what? No more. You're brand new. You're brand new. The, The game begins. And victory is at your fingertips. The next lesson we must learn is that victory is on His timetable, not ours. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you at the proper moment. Until then, trust in Him. Cast all your cares upon Him because it says, as 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, because He cares for you. But He'll answer your prayers at His proper time. So is it any wonder, is it any wonder, people, that He did not give Joshua the victory? Of course it's it's, it's clear. It's as clear as could be. Joshua did not go to him in prayer. Joshua fought Ai on his own, and Ai just kicked Joshua down the, down the mountain off of the, their, their area and killed 36 of their men. All because Joshua did not humble himself before God and allow God to tell him when to go to Ai, allow God to deal with the people in Ai, not him. So let's bring it to where we are today. You and I are living in New Testament times. Our battle is against spiritual battles, spiritual foes. And if you're getting beat up, stop trying to win on your own. Go before God, seek His face, ask Him how and what and why and everything what you ought to do. Allow Him to lead you. He will give you victory because he says apart from me you can't do anything that's a great lesson from Joshua in my opinion I absolutely love Joshua I I love Achan I said to you last week I relate a little bit more to Achan than I do to Joshua I'm not the warrior 
I'm like an Achan in, so, in some ways. And so my heart goes out to that man. I know what it's like when Paul says, who's going to set me free from this sin? I know what it's like when Paul says, if, if wasn't, Paul didn't write it, I, I would feel like I'm the chief of all sinners. But no, Paul got that, so I'm back off of that. But I fight the battle that you do, I'm sure. The battle is won when we don't trust in our own selves. No matter how successful you or I have been, it is all God's victory for us. All that we do, all that we are. There's a great place in Scripture, in my opinion. Absolutely. I, I had no idea Joshua 7 was going to affect my life as it has. I pray that it has yours as well. And now I pray that you'll listen to the voice that's speaking in your heart. If you put God back on the back burner, ask Him to forgive you. Get right with Him. Victory is yours. It is yours. God has given it to us. We have to obey Him, though. We can't go it our way. We must go His. Dear Father, thank you for who you are. Now, Father, we're, uh, we're through with Thanksgiving, and we have much to be thankful for. There have been people here that have blessed me beyond my wildest dreams. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the people here. I'm thankful for your kindness, Father. And now, Father, we are going to move towards Christmas. And everything in our society is going to try to move us away from the very essence of what this season is truly about, the celebration of the birth of the Savior of this world. And may not the hustle and the bustle of this time get us so stressed out that we forget about who you are. Let us make this a commitment that this Christmas season will be one that will be honoring to you in every way that we go, in all that we do. And now, Father, bless us. Thank you for Joshua. Thank you for what we can learn from a, a warrior. May we become as, as him, uh, people who will learn from our mistakes, as we're going to see Joshua does a turnaround. And his battles will be won again. Same for us. Thank you, Father, for everybody here. Bless them in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all so much.